0: Watchers, welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Louisa, your host, and our guest today is Chris Batts. Chris Batts took his own life. He committed suicide and had an NDE, a near-death experience. During his NDE, Chris was taken to the spiritual realm and communicated with God. Chris is the author of Boom, The Life and Times of a Suicide Near-Death Experiencer. This is his story and this is his passion, Chris Batts. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I can't wait to hear your story. Welcome to the show. And if you feel comfortable, I'd love you to share with the audience your events leading up to and your near-death experience. Okay.
1: Okay. Well yeah, I'll basically I'll tell it, I'll tell the story where it all began. So my mom had me, she threw me in a neighborhood dumpster. And it just so happens that the neighbor happened to be taking out trash and she opened up trash bin and heard a baby crying. And lo and behold, it was me, a six month old baby in a trash can. Dumpster, should I say? Yeah. So basically my grandma came and took me. And Took my mom to court. My mom lost me. The judge told her she could never have me again. So I stayed with my grandma from some months until I was four years old. At four years old, my grandma had a nervous breakdown, and she was in the hospital for a year straight. So I was staying in between places until I finally ended up staying with my aunt and uncle, which had the kids of their own. So they had four kids of their own, so I was the fifth one the thing, and I was the youngest one, the thing is, though, they, they didn't really treat me that good, they treated the other kids, like, really good, because they were theirs, so I was, like, the outside kid, so right out the gate, I already had, like, my self-esteem was shot, I remember after preschool one day, and I don't know how I still remember this, but I was at home, and I was, like, there's nobody in this house that I can actually, like, look up to or somebody who like loves me like I need to be loved. So I'm like, I'm just gonna raise myself from here on out. And that's when I started trying to learn about life all on my own at four years old. Um I got abused at this place. It was um more like mental and physical and emotional abuse. It was all of those in one. Um, but it's funny because I had like so much love in my heart and it's just anytime it came to someone trying to like challenge me and they're bigger than me it reminded me of how I was treated at home and I would get in trouble at home for standing up for myself so I don't know I got in trouble at school for the same thing when I got home they just like found any excuse to beat you and that's just what it was and they always told you don't talk outside of the house so I'm like there's a, obviously a reason why they keep telling you all the time don't talk out of the house I got older and realized that oh it's because the crazy way they treated me they abused me that's why they didn't want anyone to know but so by the time I was like eight years old I started cutting myself so I say by the time I was like 13 I ended up leaving this house and I went to another place and that's where like high school was pretty pop I was pretty popular so it was like completely opposite of like my elementary days and um I made like a lot of friends I every I was just happy at school problem with that is i moved in with another aunt and this aunt was like really mean like really really mean like worse than the others almost and um but school like when i was at school that was my getaway my freedom i loved it and i felt free i felt like my family was there after high school was over though that's when the real world took a toll on me so I say, like, in my mid-20s, I ended up, like, the depression got worse, way worse, which with social anxiety, it's way worse, and it's it's just, like, all that combined. It's, like, you start becoming from, like, this social person to this person who's just staying inside all the time and doesn't even want to go outside of their home. Um, with that, I had a lot of, like, things to do. Like, I was, like, drinking all the time and popping pills, like, like no other and taking like that prescription cough syrup so I was trying to do everything I could to get like as high and numb as I could so I don't have to feel so alone like I wanted that to make me feel happy because that stuff put me in a good mood problem with that is I got bored (laughs) I guess I get bored of things fast so I got bored of all that so I was like yeah this stuff isn't working so I need like to basically get out of here in this world because I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere that's when I just planned suicide and um usually like I'm not going to really say anything unless I'm going to do it and at this time I knew I was going to do it because I started planning it so I went to the train station with all the trains that passed by and I was like okay you know what I'm going to time every train so I timed all the trains so I picked a specific train 6 30 in the afternoon and I'll never forget 6 6.30 in the afternoon train. I was going to go there and just basically lay in the middle of that train track and just have it hit me. So time was coming closer to that day. And um, I was at a friend's house and just art, talking and arguing and stuff like that. So I ended up leaving. I stormed off. And this was, like, one of the only, like, the, really the only person I told about my suicidal thoughts. So I guess as soon as I left their house, they knew what I was gonna do. So as I'm walking down the street, I just hear their car and they're like, get in the car, get in the car. So I got in the car and I'm like, damn, like, so now my whole plan to kill myself is ruined. Now I gotta come up with a new plan. This took months, months of prep prep, and it's still not gonna happen now. Like, thanks a lot, you know. Like that's all I was really concerned about at that time. Um, So it's funny because as I'm in the car, um, in the passenger side of my friend's car, my mom calls me out of all the people, and I haven't spoken to her in years. And mainly the conversations we had, she was always telling me she didn't want me here. She didn't. Like, I'm not her son. Stuff like that. She would always tell me stuff like that. But, like, she would always tell me that the times I would see her. um, I would see her briefly. My first maybe eight years of life or something like that. And she kind of just disappeared and then came back out of the blue. So, like, when I asked her the phone, I'm like, How did you even get my phone number? She says my grandma gave her my phone number because she's heard I she told her I was asking about her. And she's like, I just called here to tell you, like, I don't want you. I'm not your mom. Don't call me, don't ask about me. Like, I like I'm not your mom. So I looked at the phone, and I said, Effie, you never were, and then I rolled down the window, tossed out the phone, and that's when I looked at my friend on the driver's side, and I was like, have this under my breath, and jumped out of the car as they were driving, and next thing you know, that's like when I hear this boom sound hit the back of my head, and um, on the concrete, and I just... I just remember like being in this like void everything was just black blue different colors like nothing was there but still it seemed like there was something there it's hard to explain mm-hmm. um, so there was like this presence and I remember it was so strong the most dominant super dominant presence and it was like so I was like oh, oh what's going on and I just I hear and hear and then I felt it here it wasn't like audible, but it was like telepathic. So this little, like this strong voice was like, let me reintroduce myself. Yes, I am God. Yes, I am real. Yes, angels are real. They're a gift for me. Want to meet them? I said, I didn't believe in angels. So I said, no. And I'm sitting there like, what is going on? I'm like, I'm like, well, if you're God, like, I don't deserve to be here yet like I'm not perfect like let me go back let me get perfect and then I'll come back to you then we'll talk about it you know like we <laughs> go get perfect first in the world I'll come back he's like no like I want you now how you are right now so I'm like right now okay so I'm like well I don't oh no so I see this like big projection screen and most people have like a life review I didn't um there's like this projection screen that popped up and then here's this guy like walking with a briefcase and a suit on like a professional guy and he's like i love him then you see this prostitute walking by and he's like i love her and then you see um this you see this guy like with the joint in his mouth and a skateboard just skating right on by and he's all like i love him so from that what i took was he has no favor in so those was the same dominant presence was like it seemed like the most macho male ever in life but then I end up like I didn't see this image so like I just felt this, this presence I felt him get on a knee and then give me a hug a tight hug but it was more than like more womanly than any woman hug ever so I was like I think this is actually God and I think he only said, I'm God, because that's what I knew him as. Like, maybe if I knew him as, like, Chuck Norris, he'd be like, hey, I'm Chuck Norris, you know, like, yes, I am real, you know. I don't think there's really any names you can put to a source like that. So after that, I'm I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do if I go back to Earth and people think I'm a real-life crazy person, you know, like, what am I supposed to do? And he says go and tell everyone that I love them. And he also says, I will go to the end of the world so everyone is with me. Now that I've never heard before. So at this point, I'm, I'm sold. I'm like, I'm sold. I'm ready. Like, let's do this, you know? And the snap of a finger, then in the air, I see like all these clouds. Here's a police station here. Here's a church right here. And then like, I just remember I see, like, all these Bibles being tossed, Bibles and crosses just being tossed around everywhere. And my interpretation of that was because of my own thoughts, because I thought if I don't – I didn't, like, read this King James Version Bible. Or I didn't agree to it. I read the book twice, but I'm like, I didn't agree to a lot of the stuff this book says, so that means I'm going to burn in hell. Uh-oh. I knew it. That's That was my interpretation of that my own thoughts so then I see like all these angels and swarms everywhere and there's just two in particular that I recognized and one was on my right one was on my left and as soon and I see this like donut hole inside of this cloud if I would have crossed that cloud I would I definitely would have went to the other place or the other paradise heaven whatever you want to call it so I literally I think my own those own those angels on my right and left were trying to convince me not to cross that that hole so like they were holding me like by one arm each and they're just telling me it's okay we love you everything's gonna be okay don't be scared because so I was scared out of my mind and I'm like what is going on but they're like don't be scared we love you and so I look at my uh, left and this one's sort of like beetle type face guy i couldn't see his face so much because there was so much light to it it was like looking at the sun like you can't look directly at the sun so i couldn't look directly at his face i literally looked at i was like whoa it's like so bright i had to like like turn my head like that um about nine feet six and tall something like that wings were like wide and he goes he goes um are you sure you want to go? Like in a stern voice, like, are you sure you want to go? And I'm like, it sounded like it was me or something, so, but I could tell it was some type of like anger. He didn't want me to kill myself. So then I turned to my right, and this one was more human than anything. It was like literally a human face. Um, he, looked like a, he looked like a construction guy. And um, like a construction worker without the hat. Like he had on, like he had like real curly brown hair, a red flannel shirt, sleeves rolled up to his elbows, blue jeans, and sandals. And this dude was ripped like so huge. I was like, you know, like trying to make myself look bigger with this guy, and um, he looks at me in the in the softest voice. You have so much to do for so many people and I'm like whoa well, like I do so they tell me to look down I look down I see my body right there on the floor and I'm like wait how does this happen how am I here but I'm also looking down there like I'm right here that doesn't make sense and that's when I'm like so this stuff really does happen so I look and they're like no look again you need to you need proof they know me that's the kind of person I am it's hard to believe certain things like I need proof to see things or to believe certain things so they're like okay look down again I looked and it was this time there was like a camera that zoomed in like really slow and close so I see my body laying here I see the paramedics everybody over here here's like the, all these lights like Blue lights, cop cars, or like the ambulance. I don't know. I don't even remember. There's so many lights, and then I look to way far on this side is my friend that I was with that was in the driver's seat, and they're on her phone, like way far away from me. And um, I'm like, wow, like this stuff does happen. So they actually, the angels that were there, they're like, do you want to stay or do you want to go? They actually gave me a choice. Like, do you really want to stay? Or go and they pointed to that donut hole. So I'm like, for so at that moment, I felt this sudden urge to go back to earth, even though I was longing to get away from this place. But I think after this angel on my right says, You have so much to do for so many people, I think at that moment, that's when I realized, I'm like, Okay, well, I have to go back. I have to get back. So I told myself, okay, I'll go back, and then snap of a finger. I guess I'm back in my body. Days later, I wake up in ICU. Angel, uh, the, uh, nurses were calling me miracles, saying they thought I was gone. Pretty much gave up. I hemorrhaged out of who knows how many bags. I had no idea what hemorrhaging was, so I was like, "What's hemorrhaging?" You know, uh, I was only concerned about Jello. I didn't, I didn't even remember anything that happened. I just woke up. Here's Jello right here. And then here's nurses right here. Oh my god, the miracle. We thought you were gone. You've been gone for days. And then my first response is, Is this jello for me? <laughs> but yeah, pretty much that's like my then I just stayed there till I got released a few days later and was wheelchaired out and started recovery and that's that's my NDE.
0: Wow, Chris, Well, first of all, thank you for so much for sharing your story. I felt like crying and wanted to give you a big hug when you were that little child that no one seemed to love. Um, do you remember jumping out the window of the car?
1: No, I, jumped, I opened the door and jumped out. You
0: opened the door and jumped out. And do you actually out, yeah. remember that or it just happened so quickly that
1: I remember. It happened quick, but I remember like it was yesterday. Like I remember everything.
0: Were you afraid in that moment?
1: No, not at all. I didn't care. That's why I said as soon as I said the F this and opened the door, I didn't care what happened after that.
0: And from that point on, did you have any, well, obviously you transitioned from your physical body, but did you experience any physical pain until you returned to your body?
1: Right. I didn't have any physical pain until I came back to my body. When I first, when I when I had hit the, the, uh, the concrete, the back of my head, mm-hmm. I remember I was like, hmm, I was like, that hurt. But it was more like that, like that hurt. And it reminded me of when I was three years old and fell off of a tricycle on my head. That's what it reminded me of that specific day.
0: Yeah. And then you talk about your meeting with what you term as god or source or the creator people call it different names it's it's so you're doing a great job it's so hard to describe in words but what did it feel like that hug or to be held by that person it felt
1: like a woman's hug and i I guess I've always when I was little up until now I guess I always wanted that motherly hug mm-hmm. but it felt like that but way more like a motherly hug on the most strongest steroids like you know it was like it was like the best womanly hug ever that's how i knew like god is love because of that hug.
0: a lot of near-death experiences often describe it as un- like an unconditional love and and they bring that feeling back with them do you still have that incredible overpowering feeling of love that probably never received in this lifetime in your no. As Chris? It never went
1: away. Yeah, it never went away since that experience.
0: Um and what what were the messages that God gave to you again or communicated telepathically to you?
1: Just said I'll go to the end of the world. So everyone is with me. I also wow, there's one detail I forgot to leave out really. Um, when I looked up in the sky, there was I guess like this is him introducing himself to me because like i just seen a bunch of words in the air so the first word said loving it flew in the air loving and then the other word caring and then the other word long suffering and that one was in capital letters with exclamation points at the end
0: what a remarkable experience and then you speak about the angels particularly the ones on your left and on your right and you said in some way that they were familiar that you knew them or you remembered them in some way. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it seems like I they were just familiar. Like, out of all the angels that were there, I was like, why Why did these two seem so familiar? Like, I knew them all my life.
0: Mm. So interesting. And, and the angels in your what you saw of them with your mind's eye, they were larger than life. They had wings and they were bright. Yeah, lights. I literally
1: seen these angels. Like, versus God, I didn't see God. But these actual angels, I literally seen them.
0: And with your need of experience, is it still realer than real or realer than life and so memorable?
1: For sure. For sure.
0: And... Then you returned and back into your physicalness and your reality. How did it change your life from then on?
1: I think everything, honestly, it, it, it made me understand so many people. There's so many different types of people. So I started understanding people better. I stopped looking more on the outside and try to look inside of the person because the outside shell is not that person it's literally the inside is who they really are and that's who I try to look at like the animals I see animals differently even some people say well dogs or animals don't have spirits but I'm like yes they do like yes they do Um, The plants, plants are alive. Um, There's so many things that I didn't really pay attention to before that, that I started to after that experience.
0: And I guess you turned your life around from um, stimulants and intoxicants and you're studying now and you've written a book as well, which I spoke about in the introduction. So a big congratulations for that.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: And one of the messages was that you have so much to do and, and a lot of times with near-death experiences it can take years to process even the experience, but what evolves from that? Do you have some idea of what all the work that you have to do on in this earthly realm as Chris?
1: Even with, I think it's been about nine years since my experience and to this day, I think I'm barely, maybe the past year or two, barely starting to figure out what they meant when they said so much to do for so many people. And I think I just started really, I think maybe like the stuff I've been doing the past couple years, it's good, but I think that's more of a start. I think there's so much more to come that I have to do for so many more people
0: and why do you think you chris bats had this experience obviously i mean i feel like our life is planned before but often people say well why did they have a near death experience and i didn't or why why do you think you had this for you
1: i had a near death experience because i literally tried to attempt suicide had i never tried to do that i wouldn't have had that experience i mean i probably would have been the same old hot tempered like mess you know but the hot tempered guy who had so much love in his heart to share with so Mm. many people you know but I don't know I think maybe there was some certain calling I don't know maybe there's a calling that God thought I would understand I mean because there's so many different people like me that do exactly what I do and more you know like I think there's just certain people that are called to do I guess, like God's work, which you could say that's a gift, but at the same time, it's also the largest responsibility.
0: And my gosh, you went through an incredible amount of suffering, um, certainly before that experience. I can feel the love in your heart. And you've got the most beautiful smile that is, is oh. so joyful. Um, are you afraid of death?
1: No, not at all. Not at all.
0: You're not going to try it again, though, until your time comes. (laughs) Yeah, I think this time
1: I'll just wait because I felt like that day I made a deal with God. You know what I mean? So that day when the angels were like, okay, you have so much to do for so many people. I think God was like, look, I introduced myself to you. I let you meet your angels. Now you have so much stuff to do. You have to spread love. You have to spread my message of love. So you work for me now. And if I renege on that contract, I feel like I'll have to come back and do this whole life thing again. And my goal is to honestly, I don't want to come back. (laughs) If I go home, I want to stay home. Like, don't send me back to that place.
0: Yeah. What would you say to people who have lost loved ones and are grieving and suffering and missing their loved ones?
1: That if they thought about you while they were... Here, most likely they're thinking about you now. And they it's it's not the end. Some people think that like death is just the end, but mm-hmm. it literally is not at the end of any it's the end of this experience. It's the end of this human experience, but it's the start of their spiritual experience and their spirit. So or should I say continuation of their spirit.
0: Yeah, so there's no doubt in your mind that consciousness. Extends once the physical body dies.
1: For sure, because while I'm in the sky, I'm the same personality. I was scared. I was like, wait, what's going on? What's going on? Only difference was my body was way on the floor and I'm in the sky looking at my body. But I'm Mm. the same person right here. That's the same person I was then.
0: Did you identify with your physical body when you were in the sky or were you just a Energy consciousness. I was
1: too. I didn't even look. Some people actually look at themselves. I didn't look at myself because I was too freaked out, and it all happened so fast. I was more concerned about how is my body here? How am I with two angels that look so large? They look scary. I hope they don't kill me. Like that was my main thing. Oh, in a hole right here. That if I cross, that who knows? Father will <laughs> come back. Who knows if God's there, sitting on a throne with the Bible. In a, in a gavel going like hell's bound for you and then just hitting the gavel i didn't know that's all the stuff i was thinking about
0: were you hesitant to tell friends and family or other people about your experience
1: <laughs> 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 that's that's a good one oh my goodness the hesitant isn't the word i mean what are people going to think if i'm they're going to say i'm a real life crazy person so imagine Being out of this experience, you know what happened, and then now you have to tell people about this. It's the hardest thing in the world to do, because it's like you know the stuff that's coming back at you is judgment. It's it's so many things, and then you have to. It's like if you're sent with the message, you have to tell this message, and if you mislead people or lie about any experience or anything like that you have god to see about to see for that so it's like you literally have like this big responsibility on you so the fact that you have to tell people about it it's it's a lot of like stuff that goes in your mind yeah yeah
0: well i just want to say i think you're fantastic and thank you so much i'm honored you we got to talk to you today on passion harvest is there something you'd like to share with the passion harvest audience that I haven't asked you.
1: Um, wow. I just honestly want to say, I I speak a lot about suicide prevention and that's really, even besides the near death experience, like I'm grateful for that, but really one of my main topics is suicide prevention Mm -hmm. because it's, underspoken about like not a lot of people speak about it. It's starting to come a little bit more known now but it's still not known enough yet. I feel like the message of suicide prevention is important and to everybody that is suicidal to understand that there is a reason why you're here and if you're thinking that you're not important or you're not special Don't listen to that because there's a lot of spirits in the world. And if this, like, God would never, ever tell you anything like that or make you feel anything like that. There's a lot of evils in the world that try to make you believe that. Mm.
0: And so uh, can you offer some tools for people that are suffering or thinking about suicide? What would you advise? Change the way you talk change the way you think because once
1: you do that you'll start understand like once you start thinking differently you'll start seeing you make different decisions and then the different decisions you make you'll start seeing life become different and then people will probably be different around you because of your attitude your new attitude And it just it's like a chain it progresses but it all starts in the way you think and then the way you act you've got to tell yourself Good things about yourself you have to look at the good inside of yourself the talents you have what are you good at so many things that are good about yourself so you got to really embrace those
0: well that's a beautiful way to end the show Chris Betts thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest I really appreciate you sharing your story
1: appreciate you for having me even though we had to <laughs> reschedule a couple
0: times. That's okay. I finally got you. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. And
0: keep up the amazing work.
1: It's work. It's yeah. work.
0: <laughs> <And> <laughs> Thanks. You the same. Yeah. Thank you. you. <laughs> bye bye. Okay. Bye. If you liked this episode,